Hey, my podcast family, welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook at Caregiving is a Ministry, all one word. We're in the Old Testament, and today we our scripture comes from the book of Hosea, the fourth chapter, the 16th verse. Hosea, the fourth chapter, the 16th verse. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. The scripture says, Since Israel is stubborn, like a stubborn cow, will the Lord now pasture them like a lamb in a large field? To me, this seems like another dig from God toward Israel, doesn't it to you? Recall in episode 21 in Jeremiah 10, 21, where God called the shepherds that he had appointed over them stupid. And so now in this scripture, he's kind of, um, kind of indicted the entire nation as being stubborn. So we have stupid shepherds and now stubborn sheep. (laughs) Or another phrase that the Bible used is stiff-necked people. And I really like that phrase, stiff-necked people. It means refusing to humble oneself or refusing to bow down before the Lord. Stiff net. Because you know in prayer we normally bow our head. At least we do in our culture here in America. I will share with you when I was stationed in South Korea. I was fortunate enough to go to the Yoido Full Gospel Church. And at that point in time, and I can't remember if I've spoken to you about this before, but at that point in time, it was about 1993, I believe. At that point in time, it was the largest church, the Guinness Book of World Records. It was the largest church in the world. They had seven services and each service had 10,000 people. Yeah, that's pretty large. And I remember um, I went with the chaplain service there, um, our chaplain in the unit that I was with. And so we went to the foreigners section or booth and they had everything. I mean, they had everything choreographed really well. The ushers knew exactly what to do when the doors opened. People rushed in. They escorted us, the foreigners, to the foreigner section. We put our headsets on and then we worshiped and it was a magnificent experience. But what they did is when they pray, they pray with their eyes open and they pray out loud. So in the Baptist tradition, we like to do what's called altar call, where we come down before the altar and um, we're there collectively in prayer and the pastor or minister prays like a collective prayer over us. Well, when they did it, of course, you can't have 10,000 people coming to the altar. We stayed where we were, but we stood up and there was a period of time where we could just pray individually, which is something that I had experienced in the churches that I've been to, but we do it silently. They did it out loud (laughs) and it was magnificent. I heard people speaking in tongues. I heard all sorts of stuff. And even in our foreign area, um, there were those of us who were English speakers, but then there was also people who spoke French. And then on the little headset, they had Italian, France, 
English, Spanish, and there was another language, I don't remember, that it would be interpreted in. And I was like all of us speaking to one God who understands us, even though we may be speaking in different languages. But like I said, they didn't bow their heads. And so I found that very interesting. And then after a while, then the minister started um, um, praying and then everyone, you know, calmed down. But stiff-necked, refusing to bow down bow their head humbling themselves stubbornness can be seen as it kind of in the same veil a refusal a refusal to be led a refusal to follow so that's what God is indicting the Israel nation of but what was Israel being stubborn about that's easy they were being stubborn about obeying God's commandments keeping God at the center of their lives and the nation. Remember, they are a people that God sought out through their forefather, Abraham, to create and cultivate a nation, a nation that was supposed to have been centered on him, that would be the envy of other nations, and through them, other nations would come to know the one true living God. That, that's what it was supposed to have been. <laughs> But Israel, remember, right out of the gate, (laughs) after being delivered out of captivity in Egypt, disobeyed God while he was giving the law to Moses. I'm like, now if that wasn't a check to God. And and when you read the Old Testament in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, you will hear where God says, "Mm, I'm regretting making man. Like that's, that's significant. And then... If that wasn't enough, because to me that was enough. The God that delivered them from Israel, that they, I mean from Egypt, they saw the ten plagues. They saw him part the Red Sea. You're going to now question whether he's for you or not. I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, But then after that, they wanted to be like other nations. They wanted to have a king. These kings, which we now know, God looked upon as shepherds, you know, kings were the shepherds, the religious leader of the day were the shepherds. You know, you could say the judges was was a type of shepherding. Well, they forgot God. They had some good kings. We know King David. We know um, Solomon. And there are others that I can't pronounce their names. But still, they led Israel astray. Hence, episode 21, being stupid. And Even as God allowed them to be taken captives by the Assyrians and the Babylonians, they still refused to keep him first. It's as if, you know, they repent for a while and then they just go back into their normal state of kind of doing their own thing. Does that sound familiar to any of us? And that brings us to the passage today. Israel is a stubborn people. I find it interesting the last sentence, though. It is a question. Will the Lord now pasture pasture them like a lamb in a large field? As I read that, I was like, what could that possibly mean? Well, I had to do some herding research. <laughs> and one fun fact, the area that the sheep herd in, they're called padlocks. You put them in a the little padlock, which in the padlock can be any size, any size. Anyway, I learned that sheep can really graze in large or small areas or padlocks. But having a large padlock means that the sheep has a 
larger area to forage and to graze. If they're in smaller areas, then the sheep will forage and graze and the food could be depleted very quickly. So the question that Hosea is posing to his fellow citizens is will God continue to be good to us? Allowing us, you know, the open space to graze or to live under his protection. Now, giving it some, you know, context here, Hosea is the prophet that God instructed to marry the prostitute Gomar. Are your Sunday school days coming back to you? Remember that story? And God did this so that that marriage between Hosea and Gomar would be a symbol to Israel as to what they were doing to God. Wow. Right? (laughs) Now let's just, just stop and think, what would God do to each one of us in our lives to demonstrate what we've done or are doing to him? Oop, I don't even, I don't even want to think of that. Right? Thank goodness for God's goodness and his grace and his mercy that has been extended to us through his son, Jesus. Because I, I have no idea what he put on display before me that would just crumple me. <laughs> but that's what the marriage Hosea and Gomar symbolized. How Israel continued to subject themselves, to open themselves up to other gods and doing things as the other pagan nations were doing and not being true to the one God. As Hosea wrote this, they had been captured by the Assyrians and as a result of of them turning to other gods, taking on their cultures of the cities around them. Like I said, they were supp- it was supposed to have been the other way around. People were supposed to look to them and want to be like them. But that's not what they chose. So what would God do? That's what Hosea is asking. Is God going to leave us or is he going to continue to provide? And we know that he did provide for Israel. Not in the way which they thought because... They were thinking really worldly. They wanted a military conquering, you know, of all of their enemies. They were tired of being captive and all that other kind of stuff. Still not tying it back to their being disobedient to the Lord. And in the New Testament, you know, they wanted to be released from the Roman Empire and under the yoke, the hard yoke that the Roman Empire placed upon them. They wanted to be a free people. So that's what they were looking for. And in in God's plan, even though it may look different to them, it really was the same to free them spiritually, to free their souls. And he did that by bringing in the good shepherd that we learned first, where his commands after we accepted the good shepherd, the commands would live in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. I think this lesson for us today teaches us that there are going to be days where you think, this is it, I have messed up royally, and God is going to give it to me good. (laughs) That as a result of your sin in your life, God is going to forsake you. Oop, 
Newsflash, just because you've been saved by grace doesn't mean you're no longer a sinner, <laughs> that you're sinless, so to speak. You're no longer a sinner, but you're, you're not sinless. Did you know that? We still have the propensity to sin, but it isn't our default anymore. It's no longer our first choice, but we always have choice. And as children of God, we are learning through the Holy Spirit to choose first God, to choose to walk in accordance with his will. And so because his word has been placed in our hearts to to learn to allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us and to walk into that as he outlined in his word, and as he's placed in our hearts personally personally and directly. That is now our go-to default. But we have to, I mean, we have to choose to do that. We, I mean, it's a work in process. That's why our um, time with God, it's a journey. Because we're supposed to be growing. Not being a stagnant pond, <laughs> but a flowing river. We're growing with God and we get better each and every day. So you see, you will sin. And Paul tells us that the mere thought that we haven't sinned is a sin in and of itself. We can't help ourselves. That's why Jesus came. So we can be a stiff-necked people. We can be stubborn cows. You and I. But in that acknowledgement of you know, how we are. We look to God for who he is. He has covered us. So in spite of our inability to overcome, overcome, over, overcome sin on our own, he extends his grace and his mercy time and time again. He loves us. And so we know that he continues to allow. So, and so he, he does. He allows us to graze in large, abundant fields because he's good. But circling back to the lesson, there, there are going to be times where, you know, you're going to have to work out your relationship with God during this season of caregiving. You're going to ask yourself, you know, has God forgotten you? Just because things are so hard, you, you'll think that he has enclosed you in a very small, tiny padlock <laughs> where you can't go anywhere and you'll be frustrated. And you'll wonder whether you've exhausted all that, all of your get out of free, you know, get out of jail free cards with him. You'll think that he has forsaken you. You'll think that he's mad at you. Because the Holy Spirit will have not convicted, he will have convicted you, but not condemned you into the things that you have done. And you will think that, you know, God is just through with me. But I'm here to tell you that no, you have not and you will not ever exhaust the grace of God or his mercies, which are new every morning. Remember my favorite chapter in the New Testament? It's Romans, Romans 8. And the very first verse says that there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And then the Bible ends, it caps it with there is no separation from us for the love of God so 
this is what it's called when you when you well I should say so go ahead and have your time with God you know your questions bring your questions to him when you say have you forgotten me what's going on I need I haven't heard from you all those things that we've read about in the various psalms where David is pleading to the Lord because you know the Lord isn't responding to him in a timely manner as I get frustrated at times with the Lord because I'm like I've been praying on this for I don't know how long like when are you when are you going to answer this and I know some of you may have the same experiences but so we can go to God with our questions he he hears us and he will answer him and and each of us is working out our faith with fear and trembling that's what um, Paul said in Philippians 2:12. God can handle it God can handle anything that we can throw at him because he knows that we're weak. He knows that we're sheep. He knows that we're stubborn, even though there are times when we don't realize that we're being stubborn. But when the Holy Spirit convicts you, not condemns, but convicts you, that is the time that you go on your knees and you ask for forgiveness and then you ask the Lord to show you the way that you're to go because he does allow us to pasture in large fields because he is a good shepherd let's pray we thank you Lord we thank you Lord for being real with us for we can handle it you you give us a little bit of the truth of who we are you give us all of the truth that is but you give it to us when you know that we can handle it when it it won't crush us because it would crush us if you would tell us that we are stubborn or stupid or not meeting the mark because we're weak and we're frail we don't wish to be stubborn or stupid but it is because of the sin that has been introduced into our humanity and so we come thanking you for knowing that and already taking that into consideration in the cross and we thank you for touching our hearts to allow us to understand that Jesus paid that penalty for us to be stupid (laughs) In our being stubborn, Jesus paid that price. But we don't want to be stiff-necked or to be stubborn or to be stupid before you. We want our go-to with you, our go-to response with you to always be yes. Yes, yes, Lord, yes. And we want to do it because we know that you are a good God, a good father, a good shepherd. That you do have large, green, luscious pastures for us to graze in. That your protection is ever abounding. That there is nowhere that we can go that we would get from under your protection. That you extend grace to us as we do try and test it (laughs) but you bring us back and so we thank you 
Thank you for knowing us in our frailty and in our sin and loving us in spite of that. Help us to always be quick to hear your voice. And also, Lord, help us to be quick to come to you when we're in trouble. Whether that trouble is something that is outside of our control or inside of our control or something that we created ourselves. Help us to be able to come to you with all of our emotion, laying it bare before you so that you can help us. Thank you for being that kind of God, a God who isn't afraid to see the ugly in us, but sees the ugly in us and loves us anyway. We love you, and I ask that you bless the caregivers as they may think that you have forgotten as I tried to during my caregiving season, but your Holy Spirit convicted me and I hope that it convicts them, that lets them know that no, God will never forsake you, that you would never leave them, and that it may be hard, but with you they can do all things. We love you. Bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alrighty, my caregiving family, go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. Bye.